You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Welcome to the Video Game Sequel Cast. The Video Game Sequel Cast is a show that looks at video game franchises, typically in a retro fashion, sort of organized by um, games that came out, you know, in a particular system and so forth. I'm your host, Matt. And Thrasher. You might know us. Player other. Two. What? I'm Player 2. Yeah, Player 2. I'm Player 1. And uh, I have to go number 2 in a minute, but that's a separate story. Uh, you might know us from our other podcasts we host, such as Sequel Cast, Sequel Commentary, and Sequel Cast Special. You can check those along with Video Game Sequel Cast at SequelCast.com. Or check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Sequel Cast. So I think before we, um, this episode we were going to be covering the Sonic the Hedgehog games and the Sega Genesis. But before we jump right into that, why don't we take a minute and talk about why do a show called Video Game Sequel Cast? Because you, the audience, demanded it. How do you mean? Well, we we it's an idea that like I think we've been tossing around for like what two years now. Uh, yeah, I think so. And every and every time we give it like the smallest offhand mention, we always get a huge response. Yeah, I think you know part of the the main sequel cast podcast on a film franchises one film at a time. A lot of it's kind of kind of retro, you know, like eighties and nineties stuff, and video games falls into that. And there hasn't been, uh, I've listened to video game podcasts since they practically started, you know, in 2005, 2006 with the, the one up yours and stuff like that. But there hasn't been a, a great retro video game podcast that looks at the history of stuff uh, in a while. You used to have like Retronauts and, um, oh, geez, I can't, God, Destructoid had one that went on for 100 episodes that was excellent. Um, like four years ago that I can't think of the name of. I never listened, so I... (laughs) Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Sadly, I do not listen to any video game podcasts, so my my knowledge of that particular subject is is, uh, lacking. I'm going to kick myself for not remembering that name. But anyway, there's been a lot of video game history podcasts, but there hasn't been one recently. And I think this idea of looking at, at franchises, kind of a different one per episode, is is unique. And within the, the format we've done at uh, the, the sequel cast, the main uh, sequel cast show, which is about films. And you can check out all our shows, of course, at SequelCast.com or in the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SequelCast. If you want to send us an email, do so at SequelCast at gmail.com. So, yeah, we'll be talking about, and I agree, Thrasher, you know, our uh, our uh, audience has been very excited about video games and the idea of doing a video game sequel cast. I even tried to do a Kickstarter that failed to get off the ground because I think I failed to understand what Kickstarter was. What did you think it was? I wanted, I almost did it as a social experiment to see if you put something up with a little promotion, would it get funded? 
I, I, wow. <laughs> That's kind of like what will happen if I throw this rock at that glass window. Yeah, so what happens is the glass pieces all hit you in the face. No, I mean, it's um, it was interesting, but I think from that, I gave you advice that you used on your Kickstarter stuff with Skirmisher. Oh, very true. That, that I think seemed to help you guys you know, get some projects off the ground. And um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this show, and we're going to be talking about in this episode the Sonic the Hedgehog games for the Sega Genesis. We'll uh, hold on to that just to keep things uh, consistent, you know. Sega! Sega! Now, were you a Nintendo kid or a Sega kid growing up? Uh, I, I was uh, I was a, a Sega kid. Our neighbors, the Lipskises, they, uh, they had a Genesis, though. So we would actually, like, go over to each other's houses to play different games. And you had a Genesis as well? No, no, we had a Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo, well, yeah. The family had a Nintendo. I had a Super Nintendo, which I scrimped and saved and worked hard for. You know, like, I, uh, my first system I had was like an Atari 2600, then I had a Nintendo. Uh, yeah, and uh, we moved to the United States, and uh, I, I met a neighbor of mine, I was in third grade at the time, who he had a Sega Genesis. And I was like, wow, this looks a shitload better than Nintendo, but for some reason, even at an eight-year-old, I felt like I w- had to be loyal to Nintendo. So even though I would have rather had a Sega Genesis at the time instead of re-get all these Nintendo games I sold before I moved back to the States, I stuck with Nintendo for an, uh, till, the, till the bitter end, really. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Because the Super Nintendo came out way after the Sega Genesis. Oh, oh yeah. And compared to the Nintendo at the time, the graphics on the Genesis and the speed and Sonic the Hedgehog, the speed on that, this blew everything else away. Well, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, if if you were a, a kid back then, that was what you would immediately notice with, with Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the colors are brighter and more varied and even, in some cases, more subtle. The sound was richer. Uh, and, yeah, the game was a fuckload of a lot faster. I mean, that that really was the selling point uh, to the point where, like, looking back on the original Sonic now, it almost plays less like a game and more like a tech demo of what the Genesis yeah. was capable of. Well, sure. I mean, I think originally in the uh, United States with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff, it was a um, – the Sega Genesis, the pack-in game, was a, a port of an arcade game called Altered Beast, which had a lot of, like, uh, what some might call demonic imagery, like mythological imagery of devils and, and beast and all these things. You may know Altered Beast from Rise from Your Graves. Yeah, it's a great impression, Thrasher. Um, yeah. And later, you know, the big packing game for Sega Genesis that helped the whole system take off was Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I mean, you know, Nintendo had Mario. Sega had no iconic character until Sonic came along. Yeah, I mean, on the Master System, you had like Alex Kidd or some stuff that might have been bigger in Japan or Europe. But you're right. I mean, Sonic, Mario, the the pacing of the Mario games, which we'll talk about in other episodes was a bit more slow-paced, kind of kind of pokey, and Sonic was more like smart-ass American teenage asshole punk rock. <laughs> it was... You know, yeah, he was always doing nose tweaking and doing these like surfer dude things that actually, that when I was a kid, I found annoying. <laughs> and we'll, we'll touch on the cartoon later at the end of this episode. No, no, I'm not talking about the cartoon. I'm talking about the games. Well, how so? Because you know, they, they didn't have he didn't talk in the old games. 
Oh no no! But there were all these like just little things in his animation. He was always he was always smirking. He was always doing that like surfer finger waggle. Uh, if you if you st- if you like didn't touch the controllers yeah. for like <laughs> less than ten seconds, he would give you this. What the fuck are you doing, wasting my time? Look and start tapping his foot impatiently. Right, I, you know they um, part of the origin of Sonic the. Hedgehog is they were trying to do a mascot for the company and something that would also appeal to the West and the East. And I think they succeeded, uh, even though Sonic doesn't look anything like a hedgehog. Right? Well, he yeah, he doesn't look anything like a hedgehog. <laughs> and also, who think like when someone like comes up with the game, we need a game. What's the main character? Uh, a fast hedgehog. Right. Like what? What is the design? I wonder what the design process that came up with that was, or or is it just improbable market testing? People really like shark fins. They really like the color cobalt blue, and they really like hedgehogs. Let's make you it know, happen. Like the concept artwork for Sonic the Hedgehog, they were Sonic was going to have a girlfriend that looked and was named Madonna, based huh. on the pop star. It was a human, you know, and that wasn't something they they didn't. Sonic didn't really try to have like human characters in there until like the launch game for the 360, just called Sonic the Hedgehog. Which that's terrible, and we're not talking about that this episode. <laughs> But yeah, I think Sonic. I mean, uh, being a Nintendo kid, the first time I saw Sonic the Hedgehog, it like blew my mind. It was uh, that like, as much as Mario professed to be, oh, it's like you're controlling a cartoon. Sonic the Hedgehog really looked and felt like it. You were. Uh, that that's true. It did have yeah. a very very strong design aesthetic. And the music was a lot of fun. The music by Masato Nakamura. Oh, that's true. It kind of, you know, got you into the game. And uh, even though, you know, even the Super Nintendo came out quite a bit after the Sega Genesis and can do more colors and stuff, the processor in the Sega Genesis was still faster. And like you said, Sonic, the original Sonic the Hedgehog was basically a tech demo, although a damn fun game in its own right. Have you played the original Sonic the Hedgehog uh, recently? Yes, uh, there was a... uh... On Xbox a few years ago, they released a uh, collection of classic Sega games, and that's got – I think it's got the complete original Sega Genesis Sonic series on there. And so I picked that up for my girlfriend, and we've we've both played quite a bit of it. Isn't that called like Sonic's like Ultimate Genesis Collection or something? Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think Sonic is actually in the title. Yeah, no, because – and, and it's just in the U.S. where they put Sonic in the title for that collection. Um and yeah, and the, the Sega, for our European uh, overseas listeners, of which there are many, uh, thank you very much. You know, uh, the Sega Genesis was called the Sega Mega Drive. And uh, what do you think of that name for that system? You know, Mega Drive versus Genesis. Uh, I have I. It's you know okay Mega Drive. It sounds like a weapon from an anime. Use yeah. the Mega Drive. Mega Drive. Hey, hey, we will achieve victory. <laughs> Mega Drive. But but I guess I guess but Genesis sounds like it has a like a lot of you know a lot of gravitas. And I think something related to the video game crash you had with the Atari games uh, late in that system's life cycle, and people thought, oh, video games aren't going to work in the U.S. again. And Nintendo took off in Genesis. It was like biblical, literally, you know, uh, after the first book in the the Bible, the Old Testament. It's pretty neat. Um, 
and you, you go back and play the first Sonic game, and you forget, like, wow, the stuff I really associate with Sonic the Hedgehog really came from the sequel, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. You mean Tails specifically, right? Not just Tails, but that you could, uh, you know, oh, like stop, stop in one space and spin up really fast. And the, the graphics had a bit more personality to it. The, the pacing of the original Sonic the Hedgehog was a lot slower. Although it was still fast in parts, but, you know, they didn't go quite... The visuals weren't quite where they would get to. In fact, they even did a port of Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Master System, hmm. which looks like dog shit, really. Um, oh, really? Yeah, which, I mean, this, the Sega Master System was like the Sega equivalent of the Nintendo, although the graphics were better and stuff. Um, did you ever know anyone that had a Sega Master System? Not that I'm aware of, no. I had, I had a buddy of mine who I... Um, Recently caught up with on Facebook the other day, Matt Malone. Hey, if you're listening. Cool. Uh, he had every single video game system ever, and he was like a year or so younger than me in school. But uh, we Best. got along really well, and we like loved loved video games. But he had every single damn system. But he had the Master System. And like going to his house was like an education in video game history. Hmm. It, it was really fascinating. And with the Sega Master System, if you turned the system on without a, a cartridge in there, it would... Do a, a randomly generated maze game in which you controlled a snail. Oh, that's cool! That was just built into the BIOS of the uh, the system, the hardware itself. So, anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, the speed was just amazing, and Sonic the Hedgehog Two, uh, which is a sequel, which a lot of which was developed in the United States, um, of all things, by a different team. Well, there was a lot of demand for more Sonic. I mean, so- Sonic yeah. did take off very came quickly. Came off the very next, came out the very next year, you know, and was another pack in for the Sega Genesis and stuff. But with Tails, you know, you can play the game cooperatively, cooperatively, simultaneously. Although with Tails, it was very limited with what you could do. The, his, his friend. Well, it de- it de- actually, Matt, it depended on how you played. Oh. Uh, because, well, one thing I, I really appreciated, uh, Sonic 2, I really appreciated that you could play cooperatively simultaneously. That was one of the things with the original Mario Brothers. You could play two-player, but you had to take turns. With with Sonic 2, you got two characters on the screen that two players can control at once. The thing is, if you don't specifically, as I recall, if I recall correctly, if you didn't specifically set it up for two player, but had a second controller plugged in, then another player could just pick it up and jump in his tails. But the thing is, tails in that se- tails when you do it that way was invulnerable, so you could use that to completely game the system. How so? Uh. uh if anything that killed Tails, he would just show back up on the screen uh, a few seconds later. Hmm. And so no life limit. But doesn't it feel like you're not really playing the game as a second player? Well, that brings up another whole issue. Uh, the Sonic games are one of the most frustrating game series I have ever played. And as far as I'm concerned, any edge you can get, you need to take. I mean, what do you think of the difficulty of the Sonic games? Well, the thing is, I I find the di- the difficulty I find them very easy to play, except for two things. Uh, w- one being that at some point in any Sonic game, there's a level that's just fuck nuts difficult for absolutely no <laughs> reason. 
yeah. in, the, in the first game, it's the water levels. Yes. And like, Never got past like, the water levels. It looks like Greek or Roman, uh, Greek, you know, like ancient ruins. Yeah. And there's a limited time where you can, uh, Sonic can hold his breath underwater, and the tides kind of rise and fall, and unless you know exactly what you're doing and have it planned out to a T, you get your ass handed to you. Yeah, because you, you have to find bubbles to breathe, which are infrequent, mm. and and it's just... it. And it is just so, and the and, and the other thing that bugs me about the, the, that particular level is that you can't run around. You're very slowly swimming through water, so all that speed you've been enjoying is taken away, as if they have to punish you for all the fun you've had and all the. It's the anti-sonic stuff. level, and it's not just that thrasher. It's the music when you run out of oxygen or get close to it. It's the da 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 da. It's like real high pitch music that just makes you more stressed out. And it doesn't build; it just kind of starts, and then you're dead. Yeah, it makes you want to throw your Genesis out the window and watch it break into a million pieces. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, it is because of that so- the Sonic water levels that I learned the very valuable lesson that sometimes it's best to just walk away from something because it's not worth it trying to keep hitting at it to try to get it right. Yeah, you know, I've recently been playing the Sonic games. I didn't get that collection. I should. It would have been cheaper, I think, to get the collection as the download, but I just got the Sonic games individually on xbox live because mm-hmm. uh, they sold them piecemeal you know and um uh with my wife uh, this would have been like four years ago i guess before we were married when we were dating Vanna, we she grew up uh with the sega genesis really loved sonic and we played sonic the hedgehog 2 cooperatively and she was very frustrated how tails kind of popped on the screen willy-nilly hmm. and i guess um isn't there like a two-player mode where it's split screen or something Yes, if you if you set it up for two player, you get split screen. If you don't, you get them both on the same screen. And frankly, that's how I prefer to play. Which way? You mean the split screen, or no, no, where you just jump in and you get both characters on the same screen, and tails can't die. Right. Because split screen is each person controlling Sonic, then, and you're trying to beat the other guy's time. Uh, no, no, you're both you're both controlling. As I recall, you're both one of you is Sonic and one of you is Tails, Tails. and you're in the same level. It's just now you can diverge. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so before we recorded this, uh, and we have a few more of the Sonic Genesis games to talk about, but there's the issue of the bad guy character, Doctor Robotnik, or as he is known in Japan, Eggman. Ah, uh, yeah, Goo Goo Kachu. Goo goo kachu, goo goo kachu. Well, that had to have been a Beatles reference, yeah. I I I would assume so. But I like the name Doctor Robotnik better, and maybe it's because I grew up with it. I'm used to it, but it it it's such a retro, goofing sounding name. It feels like it's something from a 1930s uh, serialized science fiction short story. <laughs> it it kind of does. I think it's like it is it is. But it also has kind of a whimsical ring to it. It almost sounds like an insulting nickname. He's a Robotnik, he is, he is. <laughs> but I think like I, I think the reason I prefer Robotnik to Eggman is not so much that it's that it's the name that I grew up with, is that I I just find that Eggman it, as real as it actually kinda of sounds, that reality makes it weaker. Like uh oh 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 honey, you have a teeth cleaning appointment with Doctor Eggman on Tuesday. Like <laughs> That's what I think. I think a nebbish dentist when I hear Dr. Eggman. Yeah, the yolk's on you. Yeah. It's... I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is really where... And, and this is like this with the video games a lot, unlike with movie sequels, like which we talk about on SequelCast and SequelCast.com. Um, 
is a movie sequels, you know, with each sequel, it tends to get worse. But with video game sequels, at least with the first few sequels, they tend to get better because they get more of a oh, solid yeah. idea of what the mechanics are and what the audience wants and how to deliver on that with better graphics or sound or gameplay. Oh, indeed. Would you agree with that sentiment? No, generally uh, I would, and, and I do think Sonic 2 is overall a better design game than Sonic 1. And it, actually, it has it has my favorite collection of levels of any Sonic game, that being the uh, casino levels. Um, is it because it reminded you of, like, Pinball a bit, or...? Partly because it reminded me of Pinball, partly because I like the, the funky sort of cyberpunk architecture of everything, and partly because that's one of the few levels where you can just whip around and nothing really stops you. Hmm. Yeah. It's, um, just, yeah, the, the visuals in the background of that stage and the music just feels like swanky, corny Las Vegas. <laughs> it It's, it's magical. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you go to websites like uh, Overcollect Remix at ocremix.org and stuff where people have remixed video game music and there's so much sonic stuff out there because the music is so great to begin with and you can hear such weird i mean i uh you know we're uh, we met thrasher we were both uh students at savannah college art and design indeed we were and i had a college radio show on scad radio called the soup uh, the uh do the mario which i later oh, yeah, I turned that. into a podcast called the super cooper trooper show which i think might have been the very first video game music podcast uh in 2005 2006 we got to look into that. You might be owed some residuals. Under the name DJ Mega Man X. Well, considering we didn't have the right to play the music in the first place. <laughs> I hope no lawyers are listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's. But yeah, I mean, the video game music is special to a lot of people that, you know, are now, as of this recording, 2012, you know, in their 20s and 30s and stuff, they grew up with the, the, uh, the older 8-bit, 16-bit games. And the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff was really upbeat. And uh, some of the remixes where they do, like, jazz variations on the music, like, really work. Like, it's just really astonishing to see, like, what still remains catchy to this day. Um, a lot of people think Sonic the Hedgehog jumps the shark at different points. I think before it did Sonic the Hedgehog 3, I think between Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and 3 was Sonic Spinball. Oh, yeah. Which is a weird spinoff. Because uh, it's not a pinball game, really. You know. Well, it's it's a Sonic <laughs> game, except that all yeah. the levels are laid out like pinball machines. So you're not you're not running around. You're sort of launching yourself from these paddles and these cannons, and 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 generally doing pinball stuff. But because it's a video game, it's it's not just vertically oriented. You know, there are like sub pinball machines and like weird chambers you can go into, and all these sort of side things. And it's quite difficult. I never got past the first level of the game. I think I got two or three levels in. Did you? Uh, okay. Uh, but it's like I, f I find it. I find it very fun. Like if I want to kill fifteen uh -huh. minutes on yeah. my Xbox, that's what I'll play. <laughs> and I mean, also the. Uh, I mean, you could die falling into pits and stuff. I think it was a lot harder than regular pinball. The physics aren't as as good as like a modern game, like uh, any of the pinball, uh, the Zen pinball stuff. Well, you know what's too. funny about it is that unlike all the original Sonic games, Sonic Spinball feels slow. Yes, you're right. I think it's so like, much is going on to the screen at the time. 
But even then, I don't think so, because I don't feel like there's more going on on the screen than you would have in any other Sonic game. And even then, the graphics even seem slightly toned down to me. It, like, it, feels, it feels like it's a game that's not... That, like, they figured out the gameplay, but they didn't figure out all the mechanics and coding. Like, I feel like something's being held back. I mean, listen, I don't think Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Spinball, was um, developed by Sega's A-Team, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it is kind of pokey. If you think the Sega Genesis version is bad, check out the Sega Game Gear port of Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball. Ooh. It's really slow. That makes the, the Genesis one look like light speed. Really? Yeah, but I agree. Like that's a, that's it's a good idea, but I almost wish it would have been a straight up a collection of four Sonic themed pinball tables. I think might have <laughs> been better, you know. Yeah. Are you a fan of pinball? Oh, I absolutely love pinball. I play it every chance I get. If I'm in any place where I see a a, cla- a pin a classic pinball machine, I will wrangle some quarters and I will play that sucker. I do regret when you and Jersey Jason were in uh, Portland, Oregon, we did not take a trip to the uh infamous arcade in downtown Portland uh, called Ground Control, where it's a two-story retro arcade. The second story is nothing but pinball machines. I think you would have enjoyed that. I I, I absolutely would. The, re- the reason I didn't say anything immediately is I was, I was in awe. Yeah, like at one point they even had, uh, some of the times the machines break down and they replace them with other stuff, but they had a pinball machine for a while that was based on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Cool. And they have some machines from the 60s. It used to be 25 cents a pop for the pinball machines. They bumped it up to 50 cents a pop. Uh, oh, well, inflation. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's an arcade where you actually get to use quarters as opposed to a uh, a mock debit card that has cash on it. Oh, I cannot stand those where you can, Busters, where like yeah. you, you have to figure out a lowest common denominator to actually like get all the money on your card used. Right. If if I run for office, that is going to be part of my platform <laughs> is 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 uh, doing away with those debit like putting some sort of regulation on those debit card systems so that you can actually get your full money's worth on them. I mean, that's the same problem. I on an unrelated note with the Xbox uh, on the Xbox 360 Xbox Live, you have that the point system where nothing ever exactly cost five dollars or four dollars and you're always left with a dollar or two left over mm. and it for all the wrong things sony did with the playstation 3 online at least when you buy something you can buy it for that exact amount and not have to finagle with some goofy disneyland style point system fun bucks it's a, yeah it's a bit tacky um I'll be interested to see what they do with the next generation video game systems. You know, Thrasher? You know, the PlayStation 4 and whatever the new Xbox will be called? Oh, yeah. Although at the, although at the same time, I I don't think I'm going to be... I, I have a hunch I'm not going to be buying any of those systems till they've all been out for about three years. You know, at least waiting two years isn't a bad plan, because the prices go down, you get a decent library of games to get to pick from used, and... Uh, you can see which ones have the better overall content as well. Right. I mean, you know, they with the PlayStation 3, they've announced that it has 8 gigs of a... Uh, I don't have the, the specs in front of me, but of a really high-speed RAM. But if they're developing games for the new Xbox in the first place, are they going to take advantage of the more 
complex architecture on the PlayStation 4. I mean, the PlayStation 4 is more of a, a PC sort of architecture, so it'll be easier to develop for than the weird uh, cell processor stuff with the PlayStation 3. But that's not about Sonic the Hedgehog at all. You know, you know, next generation consoles, maybe that should be our first sequel cast, video game sequel cast, special episode. Right. I can be in a fifth series in the family of sequel cast podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I could see it. Um, okay. Christ. All right. Listeners, what do you think about that idea? Video games sequel cast special. Send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com or post on facebook.com slash sequelcast. Let's take a second right now before we talk about more of these Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis games to talk about some of our affiliates over at SequelCast.com. Lay it on me, brother. Well, why don't you do it, Thrasher? I always do it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, of course, you can find us at www.SequelCast.com. And we also have a SequelCast Facebook page. You can look that up on, of course, Facebook. Same with the SequelCast Twitter feed, at SequelCast. But we are also a uh, proud ship in the Battleship Retention podcasting fleet. That's only referring to the SequelCast movie show. Pardon? That's only referring to the SequelCast movie podcast. Well, yes, but that's, you know, it's all part of the family. It is part of the family, yeah. Go on. And, oh, yes, yes. And, of course, uh, you can also listen to us on Stitcher, which is an app for your mobile devices uh, where you can listen to podcasts. Uh, you know, no, you don't have to download anything, no hefty storage. It just pulls everything into a stream for you. And you can sign up for the Stitcher app at stitcher.com slash sequelcast. And if you do it that way, sequelcast, the whole family show, it's going to add it as one of your favorites, which, of course, why wouldn't it be? Um, one of the best ways to support SequelCast is go to SequelCast.com slash donate. You get a link to our PayPal account on there where you can donate. Listeners have done that in the past. Every little bit helps to host a podcast. That costs money. To check out video games or movies or whatever we're talking about on our podcast, that costs money. For us to go to conventions, that costs money. Every little bit helps. Doing a podcast isn't free, uh, boys and girls. So, And there is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite like loony, newly minted cash. But if you Everyone like movies and video games and stuff... With money, you can make a splash. If you like movies and video games and stuff and want to help out SequelCast, if you go to SequelCast.com and scroll down a little bit, you'll see a link that says buy a movie. I'll, I'll change it to say buy a video game pretty soon. But, uh, <laughs> but there'll be links to like affiliate stuff we're talking about. And if you click on there, you know, uh, before you do your next round of Amazon shopping... And uh, be sure to clear co- your cookies before you do so. We'll get a kick out of uh, what, a little taste out of what you get. And, we get uh, that the wet helps, a little. Wet our beak a little, as Thrasher likes to say. So that's a that's a great help. And, of course, check out the whole family of sequel cast shows at SequelCast.com. And uh, the theme songs to the sequel cast uh, shows are done by Mark with a C. Check out his website at markwithac.bandcamp.com. Even though there's no theme song to video game sequel cast quite of yet. yet. But I'll have details to talk about with you off mic thrasher. Indeed. Or not off mic, but not on not on not during the show. Okay. <laughs> anyway, listeners are probably bored shitless. Let's talk more about Sonic the Hedgehog and video game sequel cast. So we've talked about Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog two, and uh video game or what am I fuck am I talking spinball. about? Sonic the Hedgehog yeah, Sonic Spinball. Right. So the next major Sonic game on the Genesis was Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And this one felt more like a Mario game than a Sonic game. Well, they really... More platforming, more jumping around. Yeah, 
more more platforming, less running around, and more jumping. That was seemed to be the design ethos. But I think the graphics are a bit better. It looks a little bit like Sonic from the cartoons. Oh no! I mean, it looks it looks sharp. All the Sonic games, uh, with the exception of one, which I know we'll be talking about later, but I'll save my ire for that. They all yeah. look very very sharp and have a very strong visual design sense. But yeah, like the the fun in my mind, the fun most of the fun of Sonic is being able to run around and do spins and things. And in Sonic Three, there's there's a lot of jumping and a lot of puzzles that involve jumping and grabbing onto things to make other things move and just stuff that doesn't involve speed. Do you think that helps the game, or do you think it makes it not feel mu- as much like Sonic anymore? Uh, over, overall, no, only because, you know, since I have that collection that has all these games, I've played very little of Sonic 3 simply because I kind of get bored. I don't want to play the older the older ones where I could run around. And so as a result, with Sonic 3, uh, I don't think I've ever gotten to the frustrating-as-fuck level. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, and, like, the first boss is kind of difficult because the screen keeps on scrolling and Robotnik is dropping bombs on you and you've got to memorize the sequence. And it's a, you know, it's a more difficult game, certainly. And if you haven't played a side-scrolling game in a while and go back to Sonic the Hedgehog, you're going to get your ass kicked on level one. (laughs) You know, it's not like when you're seven years old and playing these things five hours a day. Um, And Sonic the Hedgehog 3 introduced the character of Knuckles. Oh, the Echidna. The Echidna. Which is another animal you never see. <laughs> yeah, who's... In the Sonic games, he's red and ro- has kind of a Rastafarian hairdo a bit, and it plays kind of like early 90s uh, chiptune hip-hop music when he's on screen. Yeah. And it's like, you're not sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Is he is uh, Knuckles the Boba Fett of the Sonic the Hedgehog series. You know, I think so, because he's the one that, as I understand it, the one fans always want to see, even though his overall contributions to the series are, are negligible. He's also, if possible, more of an asshole than Sonic. Because he, he tries to, he wants to get the Chaos Emeralds, which is what Sonic wants at the same time, right? Which they do a thing. What do you mean a thing? They have sex? No, no, it's like it's okay. like the the rings, like in, with Sonic the Hedgehog, the rings and the emeralds that you pick up. There's never any context given for why those are important. Like with with Super Nintendo, yeah, gold coins. Everybody needs cash, so it makes sense that you're grabbing those. Yeah. With with Sonic, the, all that stuff doesn't doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> but what I think, starting with Sonic Two, if you get over a hundred rings in a level, when you complete the level, you do a bonus stage, and if you complete that and turn all the balls from blue to red or whatever you get the Chaos Emerald, and if you get all of those, you get the true ending. Oh, really? There's, a, there's alternate endings? Uh, yes, as limited as those endings are. Uh-huh. And I'm, I was never good enough at the Sonic games to get those endings. but Which actually, that brings up a, a, frustrating, a frustrating thing about video games, which was actually brought up on uh, Charlie Brooker's Games Wipe. I, I definitely checked that documentary out, which is that video games are the only artistic medium that both punishes you and withholds you, and it withholds itself from you. Um, you, know, you can pay for content that the content yeah. itself will not let you experience. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, like uh, uh, like movies, which we talk about on the other sequel cast shows, like sequel cast, sequel cast special, and sequel commentary, which you can check at sequelcast.com or look up on iTunes. Uh, 
it's a linear format. You sit down, you spend your two hours and change or whatever to watch a film, and you, you take away with whatever you get from that experience. But with video games, since you're interacting with it, if you're not good at that particular game, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to see the end of it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the experience, uh, therefore, is going to be a lot more variable from person to person. You might, you, you know, you might uh, suck at the Sonic the Hedgehog video games, but enjoy the the memory you have of staying up till two in the morning with a friend, uh, trying to beat level three and the boss true. or whatever, right? Very true. It's and that's the thing I think where, uh, geez, how can I put this, Thrasher? Uh, well, where you could enjoy you could enjoy how you played the game, but not actually playing the game. Not just that, but I'm trying to think of video game fandom on the internet and on message boards and on forums and on Facebooks compared to like movie fans. Where, well, this I is guess one <laughs> one difference. Yeah. That, that, that comes up in my, in my mind. If you, you know, if you've seen if you've seen a whole movie and and don't like it, you will be accused of well, you just didn't get it. But if you put down a video game because you found it frustrating, you know, you're, the the most immediate reaction is, well, you suck at that game. Fuck you. For whatever reason, that with video games, fans get a lot more protective about it, you know, whether it's in person or online. And I think it's partially because the amount of time you have to invest into a video game to to beat it or become good at it. And well, the thing is, I you know I, I work freelance from home. I have to put very strict limits about the how much how much of a video game I can play it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't like you know there, there's a certain point where I see the amount of time I'm expected to put into a game as as a flaw and in fact I had a very vocal argument with uh, one of my girlfriend's friends ab- about just that because he had got he had gotten he had picked up bayonetta and uh, he yeah. had lent it to our mutual friend Chris and then he had lent it to me and I had re- and I bayonetta was fun up to a point and then just became ridiculously frustrating so I brought it back and I never finished it and we really got into a heated argument about about what that means and you know my my stance my stance being that I I want a challenge but the challenge can't waste my time if the if the challenge of the game is wasting my time then it's a bad game whereas his stance was I am a bad player for not for not trying to find a way to keep going. Whereas Chris's stance, Chris's stance was, I think something along the lines of, well, just lower the difficulty settings, which I had tried and just taking the difficulty on that game down one step. I felt like my hand was being held. The buttons I pressed had no consequence. I was just mm. mowing down people. Well, not only that, you know, I think of, uh, we'll get back to Sonic the Hedgehog in a, in a moment, dear listeners. But I, I think of the, um, great video game by Maxis, the original game, The Sims, and oh, yeah. it's mainly about time management, and that's really applicable to real life when, you know, whether you're married or if you're involved in a, a serious long-term relationship or what have you, and, and you have pets or kids or uh, robots, I don't know what, you know what I'm saying, the time that you sex have, slaves. sex slaves, whatever you listeners might have, and you can talk about it at facebook.com slash sequelcast, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you're you're limited. You have to invest your time a lot more wisely. And if it's a game where you're going to be dying all, I, like I'm playing a video game now. Um, I'll, I'll talk about this later in our what you're playing segment. 
But I'll just leave it. Uh, I'll agree with you, Thrasher. If you die a lot in a game and you have a lot more going on in your personal life and social life, why spend a whole month trying to get past level three? Mm. Now, I'm, I, and I say this is someone that loves video games, right? This is video game sequel cast. But do oh, absolutely. I, do you follow? Yeah. No, I do. I do. Okay, so let's talk more about Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, a friend of the show, and he was a guest on our Super Mario Brothers sequel cast special episode, Stephen Applebaum of the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie, uh, uh, the unofficial Super Mario Brothers movie website, and they've been doing great strides in publicizing that movie. They did a uh, 19th anniversary uh, screening of the film, and they're going to be doing a big uh, 20th anniversary screenings of the film nationwide in the United States coming up. Oh, 20, sweet. 2013. No, uh, I want to be there. No, absolutely. They're doing great guns with that stuff. Um, Stephen Alphabom commented on Twitter to us. He wants us to discuss how Sonic and Knuckles worked with the expansion slot. Oh, that's right. Remember that. So Sonic and Knuckles came after Sonic and uh, the Hedgehog 3, and it had a, an empty, uh, empty bit on the top of the cartridge where if you plugged in Sonic 1, 2, or 3, you could play it as Knuckles. It was kind of like a, a weird hack that they did yeah. on, the, on, the, on the cartridge. I do remember that. And, I re- and, and as far as I know, that's the only game that ever did that. And I remember, yes. you, know, you know, I didn't have a Genesis, so I really couldn't play that and appreciate it. But I remember looking at that and going, wow, that could really revolutionize gameplay. Imagine if you could play Princess Peach from Mario Brothers 2 in another Mario game. And it just shocks me that that I guess it was prohibitively expensive or something because that never showed up again. Yeah, it was really unique. You know, I I don't know if they publicized that well to begin with. You kind of had to. There wasn't really the internet back then. You kind of had to read GamePro or something to know about that or read the manual. Uh, but and he also um, Stephen Applebaum was complaining. Why didn't we do Mario as our first episode of video game sequel cast? The Nintendo stuff, you know. Well, I know we talked about doing that, but I think, as I understand it, the reason we didn't do Mario first was simply because we kind of wanted to be... Mario is so important, we kind of really wanted to be more in the swing of things. We wanted to have more of the kinks of the video game sequel cast ironed out first. And also, when we gave those as options to the listeners, people responded about Sonic in full force. And I really wonder, overall, from more of a, a macro view of things instead of the micro view of things... What is it about Sonic the Hedgehog fans that makes them so passionate, more more so than uh, Mario fans? Is it the furry community? Is it? Uh, I don't think so. I think, well, yeah. at least from people of my, of my generation, uh-huh. is that w- when it came down to it, uh, when these games came out, Sonic was the hip alternative to Super Mario Brothers, and that if you were if you were if you were playing Sonic, you were you were doing something hip. You were doing something that was more, you know. For lack of a better term, more sophisticated than than the what even at the time was kind of viewed as a clunking old warhorse, which was the Super Mario Brothers game. So what you're saying is Sonic the Hedgehog was the LL Cool J to Mario's uh, DJ you don't Jazzy know the Jeff name and of the Fresh Prince. Artist, no, I know DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Fresh Prince. I had the Summertime uh, album and I had the Mama Said Knock You Out album of LL Cool J. But beyond that, no. My knowledge of hip-hop, rap, uh, from the 80s and 90s is hideous. 
Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. Hi, we're Ellen, Stephen, and Mark, hosts of Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. Topics include programming, design, tools, and more. We also do interviews and one-hour game jams. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get to your wherever you get to your podcast. You get there, <laughs> or at nicegames.club. But like Sonic, uh, the Sonic and, and furthermore Sega in general is trying to cater to an older audience, to more of an American audience, to more of like a more hardcore, I guess. I don't know, like more, more hip, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. More, the the air of the air of hipness, sophistication, advancement, that kind of thing. When later you saw with the Sega Genesis, like with the uh, the Castlevania game Bloodlines they had on there and stuff, stuff the stuff was more bloody compared to the Super Nintendo version. Oh, very true. Not that in Sonic, Sonic was munching like the heads off of Robotnik or something. All the well, Sonic is covered with razor sharp quills that spin at yes. a ridiculous speed. You'd think he'd be slicing through a couple of people. That's very true. Very true indeed. We know we've talked about some Sonic games we've liked. Can we talk about one we didn't? Yeah, some of the Sonic the Hedgehog related games that came off on Genesis. Are you? Uh, which one are you thinking about, Thrasher? Well, the one the one I, I wanted to talk about initially, and this was the one I talked about with with graphics, was uh, Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which was a <clears throat> a Sonic the Hedgehog uh, spinoff. Uh, which it, it pretty much just is like sort of Tetris. It's like Robotnik's got robots that we've never seen before that. I want to organize Robotnik's jelly bean collection or something like that. So it's even though it's a, a mad scientist and his robots, you're like it's jelly beans in a jar and you're trying to arrange them to knock them out. And it and it's it, it you know plays like like Tetris, Dr. Mario, Poyo, that kind of thing. Yeah, well at the and, time, you know, Tetris is really popular. It's certainly more like Dr. Mario. Furthermore, a Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine is basically a, an American Sega Genesis port of uh, one of the Puyo Puyo uh, Japanese puzzle games. Yeah, and and the thing is like it's not true to the Sonic aesthetic. The the art direction is her, the, or is just horrendous. What don't you and like about it? Cuz you get I like that you have the uh you kind of feel like you're, even though you're playing against the CPU there's different robot characters, but do you think they felt more like something like the uh the the 2002 the early 2000 film CG film robots? Compared to the Sonic aesthetic, well, they're they're just big clunky robots with rivets all over them. They don't they don't have that sleek animal design, the animal mm. animal robot designs that we see throughout the other Sonic games, which I think really holds it back. But the thing that other other also really frustrates me about this game is, despite when it came out, it looks like it has eight bit graphics, which is a a sin if you're on a sixteen bit system. Yeah, right. It felt. Behind the times, and yet, you know, Sonic Mean Bean Machine, they also made for the Sega Game Gear. You know, I wonder, did they do it for the Game Gear first and then port it to the Genesis? Is that why the graphics are so poor? No, but I think certainly the, the budget was lower, and because it was a puzzle game, you don't expect a puzzle game to razzle and dazzle you with graphics. The premier uh, puzzle uh, gaming franchise, which we might talk about in a later episode of Video Game Sequel Cast, for the Genesis platform was Columns. 
which essentially is the same exact fucking gameplay as Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? I- I've actually never played Column, I can't say. Really? Okay. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're switching gems around, but it's the same thing where uh, you're kind of matching up colors after stuff has already dropped down. Instead of if Tetris, it's more of uh, unifying shapes. But with Mean Bean Machine and Puyo Puyo and stuff like that, it's more about matching colors. Yeah. And, you know, like a, a Super Nintendo equivalent that was doing the Puyo Puyo formula was... Um, Ah, what was it called? It was, a, it was a game with Yoshi. I mean, there was Yoshi's Cookie, but there was oh yeah, else. Yoshi, which I, I had that on the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fun. What were you gonna say? Oh no, that I I I had that on the Game Boy. It was very fun. Yep. Um, there was Yoshi's Cookies, and there was like Yoshi's Eggs or something like that. And there's also Wario's Woods. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that could be for video game sequel for video I game sequel I've got some woods special. for you. There's a mushroom on top. <laughs> I'm Wario. As uh, as Shecky Spielberg would say, Shecky Spielberg. Look at all these blocks. Tetris says block. Sonic has rings. Why didn't Sonic do a game with rings? That was puzzles. But you know what's a good ring? Lord of the Rings. And the Hobbit has to do with Lord of the Rings. I'm Shecky Spielberg. Good night. Well, you know what that is. You know what that is, though. They they should have had block rings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Block rings keeps the blocks uh, more structurally sound, if you know what I mean. A block ring a day keeps the Robotnik away, I think is how the expression goes. <laughs> uh, we were talking about like Sonic the Hedgehog games and the Genesis. Uh, another one that I think was less than successful was Sonic 3D Blast. Did you play this one? Yes. So it's like an I isometric have. overhead three-quarter view thing where you're Sonic, you're freeing your animals, you're getting the rings, you're finding bosses. It's Sonic gameplay, but it's a lot, uh, a lot of slowdown. This was pretty advanced graphics for the Sega Genesis. Well, yeah, this the the the, the three the three D is kind of fake. It's that like two point. It's it's really more like that two point five D that is sort of a, as a concept in a lot of early uh, video games, and. It's also one of those things because the levels are kind of in three dimensions. You can't just go. You can't just go running off at super speed because it's not like there's that many preset tracks. You've got to stop. You've got to jump on platforms. You've got to find troughs. Uh, and once you start rolling, because you can roll uh, up, down, left, or right you know, for for or whatever the axes are, uh, you it can be difficult to control because you do kind of have some momentum built up in that little sonic ball. Right. And uh, trying to, you know, the, the Sega Genesis controller, it was like a, moving the guy around. It was a D-pad. It was like a cross. So doing the diagonal stuff was difficult. And uh, trying to do that on the, the isometric mock 3D plane was really hard. Yeah. It, it, it the- seemed to be doing too much for what the system was capable of. I'm not even sure how far I got into that. I don't know if I got to the second, maybe the third level is as far as I got. Uh, I think the, 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 the most impressive thing about the Sonic 3D Blast is just the 3D Sonic animation at the beginning, which even then is dated horribly. The frame rate of like five frames per second. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and they ported uh, Sonic 3D Blast 
to a variety of systems, even like Windows PC stuff at the time. It was uh, on uh, Sega Saturn 2, which I'm sure, I hope, had a better frame rate than Genesis version. So I can see what they were trying to do. Uh, it just didn't quite, it was a bit ahead of its time, I think. The isometric viewpoint, is to me, is so weird and unnatural, trying to figure out, how you get the guy to move in what direction accurately when you don't have uh, like an analog stick as on more modern systems like PlayStation 2 or Xbox 360, you know? Yeah, well, the other thing is that is the, that poses certain design limitations because the, the levels and the things you find in those levels aren't nearly as beautiful and well-rendered no. as the things you see in the other Sonic Genesis games. It's more uh, geometric, and less organic. It's more like a tech demo again, kind of like the yeah. original Sonic the Hedgehog. Like mar like like Marble Madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, With that right. kind of design. I mean, but even Mad then, I remember Marble Marble Madness being a little smoother. Yes, and uh, I mean Marble Madness too. That in the arcade, you did that with a trackball, right? Uh, I only played the Nintendo version. I'm oh. not sure what the arcade version was like. Well, if you ever heard out in uh, in Portland, Oregon again, which I maybe there would be a convention. I don't fucking know. But <laughs> at some point, you meet up at a, con at a convention somewhere where there's an arcade with this game. Uh, the trackball makes all the difference. Well, hey, maybe you'll visit me and my family in the Outer Banks. Uh, yeah, that could be a very well. That would be a, a possibility. And if we do that, we'd have to do a sequel cast show live. Oh, but hey, I just got a message uh, a message about Sonic games from SequelCast uh, listener Beth Gilmer. Uh, from Twitter or Facebook or? Uh, actually through Skype of all places. Holy shit. What's her Skype name? I want to get her. It's, a, it's Beth. Uh, I think it's just Beth Gilmer. That's great to <laughs> not say on the show. Not that we should be giving this out on the show. Yeah. Okay. So what did she say? Oh, well, she was saying. Valley, uh, Washington, right? Uh, Washington State. Yeah. Uh, well, she was she was saying uh, uh, two two things. One, uh, that uh, Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine was her and her sister's favorite. They uh, she bought it with Kool Aid points. She had uh, she had saved up Kool Aid points. With Kool yeah yeah Kool Aid used to. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to have these points on the back of like flavor their the flavor packets and different flavor packets had like different point values, and you could clip them out. And you could send them into Kool Aid and get like and get like prizes like uh, like Matchbox cars, uh, fanny packs, other Kool Aid swag, and and yeah, uh, towards towards the uh, like in the nineties, they actually had like some video games and things in there you could get if you had a hell of a lot of Kool Aid points. Is there Avatar and Skype her head surrounded by a bunch of red balls? Uh, yes, I believe they're Christmas ornaments. I'm gonna see if she'll jump on the show live for a second. I'm glad I'm glad you want to do that because she and her sister uh, had a, wrote a song about Sonic the Hedgehog that they used to sing. Great, and maybe that'd be she'll a good sing way to voice. top off the show before going into the "What You've Been Playing" segment. She's <laughs> typing away. This is exciting for our listeners, or not? <laughs> Please, please. I know, I know. You typically take a more hands-off approach with editing, but this episode, I think, really, we we need to edit these pauses out, and we need to edit Beth's personal information out. Yeah, sure. Um... 
So, hey, are there any, uh, are there any, uh, Sonic games for the Genesis we haven't, uh, gotten to? With my rich baritone voice. Ooh, girl. Ooh, girl, you girl, I want so to good. Sonic your hedgehog. I never seen you spin balls before, but you spin ball like more than <laughs> Sonic can. Okay, um, we'll chit chat for a bit through the rest of the show, and if we can add a fan of the show, Beth Gilmer, on, we will. Groovy. Great. Okay, so uh, <laughs> that being said. Uh, I look at the Sonic games, and one thing I, I, I turn to is other stuff at the time, like uh, you were talking about um, when we talked on the phone this afternoon, Thrasher, as we sometimes do for show prep, which we rarely do. Uh, hey, now, or, speak for yourself. Hey, oh. Is stuff like um, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. There's a few of those in the 90s. Oh, and, yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? What do you think about those in retrospect? Well, actually, what happened is because the, the the first like big Sonic tie-in was actually a Sonic the Hedgehog comic book uh, done by Archie Comics, and they and... still do Sonic comics. I just saw oh. an Archie Sonic book at the checkout line with a friend Myers in Portland, Oregon. Oh no, it's it's they still it's still they still publish it. I, I think it's actually the longest running tie-in comic they've ever done. Hmm. But like a lot of. A lot of the way, uh, a, a lot of the things in in the the, the mid Sonic cartoons are actually taken directly from the Archie comics. I think their staff actually developed a lot of it. But like the the original Sonic the Hedgehog animation was really it was sort of Sonic the Hedgehog and like almost sort of a a Tex Avery kind of world having more sort of cartoonic adventures where it was like almost like they were clearly like sort of inspired by. Coyote and Roadrunner with Sonic and Tails always trying to outwit Robotnik and uh, two of his main robot henchmen, which was like uh, a drill robot and a chicken robot. I think their name might have been like Scratch and Peck or something like that. And one of the things that really stood out about that show is that Sonic was voiced by uh, Jaleel White, who a lot of people Urkel. are going to remember as Stefan Arkell, who was the hip version of Stephen Urkel from Family Matters. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking at... Uh some research I did here, and there's several Sonic series. There is, you know, Deke Entertainment's Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, and they later did a show, Sonic the Hedgehog, the animated series. And uh, there's also a show called Sonic Underground and Sonic X. And yes. in addition to that, there's an OVA, which I have seen, called Sonic the Hedgehog the Movie, uh. Uh, based on the game Sonic CD for the Sega CD, uh, which, uh, while featuring character is very faithful to how they looked in the game uh, as far as plot goes was uh, complete nonsense mm. it made no sense to me I'm not a hardcore Sonic fan but in, in college I had a a great friend of mine and if you're listening hey Nissa uh, whose name was Nissa who loved Sonic the Hedgehog stuff and uh, she was able to make heads and tails no puns intended of that Sonic the Hedgehog uh, anime OVA Yeah, then there was also a Sonic, or possibly several Sonic series that ran on uh, the Fox network in the States for the longest time. And for all I know, may still be running. Yeah. 
which actually I believe in those in because uh, actually I remember they were showing new episodes of that when I had just gotten out of uh, college. And as I recall, there was actually an episode where they addressed the issue of like Dr. Robotnik and Dr. Eggman, and they had sort of reconciled the game continuities, declaring that one of them, one of that there was a, one of them was the other's father. <laughs> uh, which character was it? Robotnik and Eggman. One of them was the other's father. I just don't remember which one was which. I had a roommate that was a fan of the show, so that like what I saw of it was when she was watching it. But I do. Oh, you know what? There, two things about the uh, original Sonic cartoon with Jaleel White. Uh, One, for whatever reason, they gave him an obsession with chili dogs. Like I guess you know the Ninja Turtles had pizza, so every cartoon hero then has to have some sort of food affectation. But the other thing is that, you know, to, to you know, give the show some gravitas and make it more sellable in certain markets, and I guess to to make to make it look good, uh, the end of every episode had, like, a Sonic says, where, like, Sonic gives you, like, useful advice. Yeah. And one of them in particular is pretty embarrassing because it's, it's Sonic giving you advice about how to deal with child molestation. And so you get a hedgehog speaking what? in Jaleel White's voice, yeah. telling you about how to tell whether something's a bad touch and <laughs> who you should tell about it. Well, you know, that at the, around that same time, I, I was into the, the English dub of the, the legendary Japanese anime Sailor Moon. I'm glad that's what you said you were into. Yeah, uh, which did that same sort of thing. And I recall they did a little, because I think in the United States it was required, you have some sort of educational content on your, your cartoons at the end. And they, uh, you know, repurposed clips from the show to do a PSA from Sailor Moon, this uh, Japanese anime, about you should get your cat fixed. And there was a cat character in the show, and they showed all these awkward clips of the cat with his eyes bugged out and looking shy. Saying, As like, I, I, recall, I think yeah, I remember that PSA. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it sticks out of my mind, tw- like, uh, 20 years later, uh, where it's like, Oh, I better get my cat fixed up. I wouldn't want him to have a lot of kitties I couldn't afford. (laughs) (laughs) Although, in in all seriousness, you really should have your your, your pet spayed and or neutered. Uh, uh, My girlfriend Sarah and I have been been going down to... uh, to visit and help exercise the dogs at the local humane society. Mm. And it, it really is shocking the number of animals they get in because people were hoarding animals and because people weren't getting their animals fixed and were ending up yeah. with more animals breeding than any person could, could possibly cope with. It's you're really, you're doing, you're doing your pets and yourself a disservice if you aren't uh, getting them fixed. Well, my wife and I have two cats and a dog. We have them all fixed. And um, I will say if you have a, if you're interested in getting pets, a cat is isn't a bad way to start. But really, if you have a dog, you need to have the the schedule for it because you plan you you have to be able to take the dog out a lot, uh, especially when it's a puppy and you have to show it attention. You can't a cat, you know, cats pretty much do their own thing, but a dog is uh, a lot more work. And people, I I don't think they want to get the cute puppy and they don't realize. The, the actual hard work you have to put into that. 
not not that a kitty is no her work, and I'm very sorry to hear a thrasher about uh, your your light cat Shinobi. Oh yeah, um, yeah, he was but, a good cat. Yeah, that that sort of stuff can can happen. It can be unpredictable, a surprise. Or he he was high maintenance, but but he was he was still a very affectionate cat. Oh, you still have one cat, right? Or no? Actually, no, no. We have we have two. We have uh, oh. Mr. Graves, who is yeah, uh, right. my cat. I've had him for a few years now. Uh, named that because I found him abandoned at a cemetery on Memorial Day. Uh, and then our other cat is uh, is a, 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 actually a kitten we adopted, Loki. Right. Okay. That sounds familiar. So He's made it of fuzz and energy. Uh, yes, I feel that about my dog, which is a toy Labradoodle, meaning half toy poodle, half Labrador, Starbuck. Uh, named after the Battlestar Galactica character from the reboot series, and not the coffee. Although the coffee would certainly apply, because our cat, Mike, uh, our cat's names are Butters and Waffles. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, and hey, uh, another thing you might want to do as a starter pet, because they are small and low maintenance, get a hedgehog. I don't know if that's low maintenance. Do they stay in a cage the whole time? I know people. I'm trying had... to segue. <laughs> And to Sonic the Hedgehog, yes, on video game sequel cast. The thing we're talking about. Yep. Uh, I just think of Sonic the Hedgehog, and I, I just think I... And if I could travel back in time, I would have told my second grade self to not stick with Nintendo and go with the Genesis for Sonic the Hedgehog. Because um, I, I guess if I would travel back in time, uh, I would uh, first travel forward in time, get the cure for cancer, uh, bring it back to myself when Sonic the Hedgehog came out and said, hey, hold on to this. It's going to save someone important's life one day. And then I would try to no, not fuck with the time stream anymore. I see. Um, wait, wait to bring things down, me. Yay. What, what does Shecky Spielberg have to say about that? Sometimes in life, uh, things things bring you down. But you know it brings you up? An erect penis. Shecky Spielberg. Good night. <laughs> thank, that thank you, Spielberg. Shecky, he's, he's very, very subtle. Um... Sonic the Hedgehog says so has so much energy, so much vibrancy, and in the color palette, and in the Sega Genesis games themselves, it's uh, it'll be curious to see in in whatever episode we do down the line about Sonic the Hedgehog how it's progressed from here because you know a lot of people consider these Genesis games the salad days, so to speak, of the Sonic franchise. Do yeah, you think, do you think the character works better in two dimensions or, or three dimensions? Yeah, yeah. I was asking a question, not telling you to say, yeah, yeah. Well, you cut me off, and then I didn't know what you were saying. What was I'm the question? I'm sorry. Well, where did I cut you off at? You can. I I don't know. I was saying I was saying that they were that they made a lot of with some of the, with with the more recent generation systems that try to do Sonic games. They did make a lot of baffling design choices. I mean, the the speed is important and the control is important. I think I think a tough thing about taking these two D characters, whether it's Sonic, Mario, whatever, 
a big part of the 2D games was jumping from one platform to another. And uh, when it's a side-scroller or a two-dimension presentation, once you get the jumping controls and the physics down, doing a jump from one pit to another uh, typically isn't so hard. But when you do it in the third dimension, there's a whole lot more variables you have to figure in there. Oh, yeah. And does it mean the game will show little footsteps showing where your guy will get to when you push the jump button? Is that giving up too much uh, of the challenge of the game? Because I like the game Eric, uh, American McGee's Alice did that uh, take on it. Really? Uh, yeah, it was a PC game, and I think later they did a port for the uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. But it was like before you even made your jump over a pit, it superimposed a set of little uh, feet that show where you'd get to if you push the jump button. Hmm. Does that make sense to you, or is that like... No, no, it does, it does make sense. Uh, although, at, this, at, at the same time, it does eliminate a lot of the guesswork. But then again, jumping in a first-person game, don't stop doing oh. that. That's not show up in games ever again. Because it's not a jump. It's more like a, a crippled hop, at best. Either way. Anything else, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, to the Genesis or that relative era that you'd want to speak about this on this premiere episode of the video game sequel cast? Oh gosh, well, no, just that that uh, I I do really enjoy the classic Sonic games, and thanks to that re-release, I do still play them from time to time. Oh, actually, wait, there is one thing that I mentioned that there were two things that the Sonic games always did, which I found very frustrating. I never mentioned that second thing. What was that? Okay, so again, these games, at least the best of these games, are built around speed. And one of the things that they they repeatedly do that I just find so frustrating is denying you that speed. Such as, you know, having a level where you mostly jump around or the absolute worst when there's some obstacle that when you're going fast, you can't possibly see that will instantly kill you. So you get, you know, you're in a level, you build up a good clip, you start shooting forward and suddenly run face first into a wall of spikes that you couldn't possibly see. You can only know it's there if it's killed you. Do you think you were uh, more patient as a as a little kid playing these games than now as an adult? Uh I was probably less patient, but even even then, you know, you you can't it's it's a bad design choice to have a game based around having a very fast main character and then to have obstacles where your speed will kill you without any kind of warning or preamble. Like, if there was a warning sign that I was heading into an area where my speed might kill me, I wouldn't be so upset. But when I'm shooting along and just hit a wall full of spikes that I couldn't possibly see, then there's a flaw in the design. Do you think Sarah would want to jump on for a second to talk about Sonic, or should we wrap things up? Oh, I can ask her. You can, uh, yeah. Just a moment. Let me go downstairs. Sure. <laughs> I mean, even though I was a Nintendo kid growing up, I, I greatly respect the Sonic the Hedgehog series. I uh, The speed, the vivacity, the color palette, the music, I think uh, holds up better over the years than the uh, Nintendo Mario games. It's a different design aesthetic, but um, the, the zippiness, uh, to put it mildly, of the Sonic the Hedgehog games 
make them a, a true treasure. And out of uh, the Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog games, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, especially the uh, the Las Vegas um, style level, uh, Casino Night Zone is my favorite. That just seems to be a great blend of Sonic the Hedgehog and colorful lights all around. All right, Matt, I've got Sarah here. I'm going to give her the uh, the headphones uh, since I only have the headphone mic. Very good. Okay. Right, just a moment. Great. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the video game sequel cast, Sarah. I can just barely hear you. Can we turn the volume up? Yes. Or maybe is... Uh, That's can, better. Is it better? Okay. Yeah. Thrasher is messing with the gadgets. Uh <laughs> So do you feel uh, upset that Thrasher spends his Wednesday nights doing a podcast? Uh, not really. It gives me a chance to crochet and get my products done. Very good. Uh, do you have an Etsy website or anything? Uh, yes, I do. It's what, um, what it's it? a punch in the art. A punch in the art dot Etsy dot com? Uh, well, no, you would actually just oh. go to Etsy dot com and look up the Leadinator. But my shop's technical name is a punch in the art. How do you spell the leadinator? It's a T H E L I T A N A T O R. Very good. Okay. So, um, did you uh, grow up liking Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh yes, I was the Sega Genesis child. Did you have any older siblings? Oh no, I was by myself. I'm an only yeah, child. Fine. So, what was it about Sonic that uh, might have made it more attractive to you than, say, Mario? You know, I honestly don't know. I just happened to love Sonic the Hedgehog far more than Mario. It was just take... a really fun game. Uh, what sticks out to you when you play the games uh, recently? Are you talking about playing Sonic recently? or Yes. I was going to say, because I haven't played it in years, actually. Okay, well... The last got, time, like, what when you think back on memories as a kid playing Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis, what sticks out? Is it the music? Is it the visuals? Is it the speed? Oh, it's probably the speed. That was always yeah. my favorite part. I just, one of my favorite things was just seeing how fast I could get through a level. Did you ever get, uh, I always loved when you got a bunch of rings and you were like, oh, I got this high score, and you bump into an enemy, all the rings splash all over the screen. Yeah, I think that was probably my favorite part. I I do admit a few times running into spikes just for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. When I was yeah. uh, really young, I actually, uh, before any other Sonic games came out, just the first one, I actually wrote uh, to the company with a suggestion for a sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog. Did they ever write back? Uh, yeah, they asked me to sign a waiver saying that uh, <laughs> I w couldn't get any money if they used any of my ideas. You know, I had something similar when I was a kid. I wrote uh, something to LucasArts about an Indiana Jones game. Did, did you get a response? I did. They basically just sent, you know, the, the standard, you know, like you said, the attorney yeah. letter saying, please yeah. don't do this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was seven. I still said no way. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. So did you ever watch the cartoons as well or? Uh, not so much. I did a little, um, I was usually more interested in anime. So what did you think of Sonic the Hedgehog's friends such as Tails or Knuckles? I think Tails was the only one I liked, which I'm not sure that's 
uh, common. <laughs> I think a lot of people like tails. I don't, is it just because he looks cute? Because he has two tails? Because he can fly? Uh, the flying. The flying, yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe that was just my friend's sort of things. None of my friends liked tails. I don't know why. I just didn't. I had a friend in college who, uh, she had her own homemade tails costume. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty well done too. But I mean, it's uh, fascinating that the fan base Sonic has, and I think how much more vocal it is than the Mario fan base. Very true. And is that because of the animal stuff, you think? Or the fan fiction? or? It's probably fan fiction, in all honesty. About Sonic the Hedgehog sucking on tails, two tails, or... <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I didn't really read that much when I was a child. Um, okay. You were illiterate? <laughs> I'm talking about that sort of fan fiction I read all the time. <laughs> I think not, not the slash uh, fiction. Right. <laughs> right, okay. Um, okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the old Sonic games? Uh, not that I can think of. Okay, well, uh, thanks for uh, for jumping on, Sarah. It's, uh, I know I haven't met you in person, but I'm sure I will at, at some point. I'm sure you will. Yes. Okay, well, I'll hand this back to Will now. Great. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Beth Gilmer is... is uh, be able to hop on, but it was great to get to talk to Sarah for a moment about her Sonic the Hedgehog memories of the Genesis games. Memories. Memories, yes. Sonic had some quite a pair of memories. Actually, there is uh, there is a uh, uh, Sonic Jojinsi uh, about that, actually. What is a Jojinsi? Oh, it's a Jojinshi, actually, I think. It's a, a, a Japanese fan comic book. Often they are uh, have sexual content, and there's one where it's it's uh, uh, Sonic the where it's Sonic and Tails, and the joke is that Tails has been a female this whole time. We just never noticed because that tuft of fur on his chest has been obscuring his breasts, and that that's like a visual gag. Is like he lifts the tuft of fur just slightly, and these two gigantic tits fall out. Um, we'll wrap so, up on Sonic the Hedgehog here in a minute, listeners. But that reminds me of a treasured memory. The one time I've been to Japan. Oh. Back in 2000, uh, June of 2006, I believe, for almost a month with some buddies of mine, we did a extended tour duty over there. Not, I'm not going to say tour duty. We did an extended vacation over there, a cultural learning experience. Uh, in uh, Akihabara, which is Tokyo's electric town, you know, kind of the, the nerd district, really, the nerd mecca, there's a, a, a like an eight-story, very narrow building that it has. Uh, the first, the top few floors are nothing but doujinshi. Nothing but uh, amateur pornographic uh, manga, Japanese comics. But they're drawn very well, and I remember seeing one on based on the Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest series. And uh, the thing that Slime did to the main character was horrific. Uh, I bet. But th- that, you know, there'd be three stories of a whole story devoted to that sort of stuff. And that the quality of the artwork was actually rather good. Um it was surprising, I think, and, and kind of, kind of amusing and, and almost quaint. I don't know. Kind of like if there was a whole store just for fanzines, you know. 
Which I bet in Portland there is one. Oh, no, there is. There's a place, in fact, where you can go in, and it's kind of a nonprofit where you can publish your own fanzine, and they got all the equipment to do so with uh, physical media, right? The cool. binding stuff. So so if you want to make your own uh, doujinshi, uh, go to Portland. Yes. The dream of the 90s is alive. Whether it's the 1990s or the 1890s, that's still up for debate, but yeah. <laughs> So as as we wrap up this initial episode of Video Game Sequel Cast on uh, the Sega Genesis Sonic the Hedgehog games, I think we should uh, wrap up with uh, a segment, a few segments, uh, one of which is um, pitch a video game sequel in which we think about these old Sonic uh, the Hedgehog games in the Genesis would be an ideal way to to do a sequel to, to this sort of game. I know recently they did Sonic the Hedgehog Generations on uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and Nintendo uh, DS, where it was kind of like Sonic uh, did a best-of compilation of 2D and 3D remix levels from all his various games. But if just basing on these Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis games, where would we like to see in the story to have gone? Well, is for my sequel, I would do uh, I would do uh, Sonic Gravity, and the the because like the the story really is paper thin. Uh, Robotnik turns animals into robots. Sonic frees them. Chaos emeralds are important for some reason. So I'd keep all that. But my main difference would be in gameplay. Copyright me, uh, and that difference would be. Uh, it would be for a, a modern system with all the modern, you know, graphics and bells and whistles and whatnot. But it would still be played like a like a side scroller. Uh, however, the catch is this whole thing. The whole thing with gravity is that the levels themselves are actually three dimensional, but you interact with those levels differently by switching the gravity. So you can change which direction is up, which direction is down. You could also rotate the levels ninety degrees on any particular axis. To, to completely change their layout, to change the way you play through them. Hmm. And the boss fights and the level designs would all take advantage of that. So it would be, it would, the levels would be, in essence, a giant 3D cube that you are playing on 2D. You, you are playing 2D. Kind of like how Diablo randomized levels, but as a side-scrolling thing. No, no, the levels wouldn't be randomized. Oh, they would oh, okay. be they would be pre-constructed. It would be well. You know, do you ever play Mario Galaxies? Yes. How there's that one like space station where you where where up and down switch places. Uh huh. Imagine that, but on all axes. Hmm. And the levels themselves rotate. I would have liked to see them uh, try to do a uh, a whole game in the style of the bonus stages from Sonic the Hedgehog. Any particular bonus stage, or it would be sort of a combination of a uh, of a puzzle game and the bonus stage. I'm thinking of like Sonic the Hedgehog two, where you got to collect all the balls and make them from make all the blue balls red, but you can't bump into the red balls. But kind of do like time attack style challenges. So it'd be almost more like a like an iPhone app or a Game Gear game or something. What would you, what title would you give it? Um, Sonic the Puzzle Hog. <laughs> they all float down here, Jimmy. Ah, beep yeah. beep beep beep. Yeah, uh, no. 
I have such range, I could play Sonic. <laughs> it's an obligatory Tim Curry reference in whatever sequel cast show we do, this one being video game sequel cast, of course. Um, great. So, with that in mind, let's go to our last segment, What You Playing. So, I, I, I will start. I've um, Stop me if I've talked about this in one of our other sequel cast shows. Have I mentioned Star Wars Pinball? No, you haven't. Okay. Not so, even in the Star Wars episodes. <laughs> that's surprising. Well, it just came out recently, but uh, Pinball FX2, you know, made by, I think, like, the company's called Zen Studios or something, um, got the license to do pinball, video game pinball games based off of Star Wars, and they've released the first three tables. They'll be rolling off a total of ten tables uh, oh. throughout the year uh, of this recording, being 2013. So they've the first set of three tables. It's uh, ten bucks on the Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3 for uh, three tables, and it's uh, uh, maybe like six bucks or something on the iPhone or iPad. And uh, given that I say it's Star Wars and pinball tables, what do you expect them to do for the first three? Uh, I expect lots of Star Wars sound effects. No, I'm talking about what themes of the tables. Uh, the battle for Hoth, the trench run, and Moss Eisley's Cantina. Um, okay, so one of them is Empire Strikes Back as a table. Mm-hmm. One of them is Boba Fett as a table. Okay. And one of them is based on the uh, new uh, CG Cartoon Network Star Wars Clone Wars series. Which just got canceled after season five, but apparently they've completed some episodes since then, so that'll be released as bonus content in some form in the future with Disney's takeover of all things Lucas, including Star Wars. Okay. So the Empire Strikes Back table, it's uh, the video game pinball stuff. um, Zen Studios really pushes it to the limit and that it's nothing you could do in a real table. Like, if you open the certain thing, you get to pick one of five missions from Pirate Strikes Back to do. And one of them might be you got to fight off a stormtrooper on Hoth. So a stormtrooper literally materializes on the playing field. And you have to hit him three times within uh, 30 seconds. Oh, cool. And, I mean, it's uh, that one's very plot-driven. That's by far my favorite of the three tables. Clone Wars, I'm not, even though I enjoy the CG series, I'm not that familiar with it. So I'm kind of confused as what it's talking about. And it's certainly an easier table. The Boba Fett table might as well have been called the Bounty Hunter table because it references all the different bounty hunters from that famous scene in Empire Strikes Back. And it's very, very difficult. There's a lot of open gaps where you you can lose a ball very easily. But um, I think it's a lot of fun. It uses music and sound effects from the movies. It doesn't use voice clips from the movies. They have knockoff people doing the voices. And uh, sometimes you can tell, but uh, what do you expect for a video game pinball title? <laughs> I think it's enjoyable. I don't think it's quite as fun as uh, on Pinball FX 2. They released an expansion table based on the uh, the iPhone game uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, have you played that game, Thrasher? I played Plants vs. Zombies, but not the uh, pinball version. The pinball version is fun as well. But anyway... If you like Star Wars, you get a kick out of the the first three Star Wars tables on Pinball FX 2 on the Xbox 360, iPhone, iPad, and PlayStation 3. What have you been playing, Thrasher? Uh, Actually, I have been 
uh, let me just put it this way. As I mentioned before, uh, because of my freelancing, I have to limit how much of any video game I play at a given time. So I'm very behind. Yep. I still have not right. started Mass Effect 3. Oh, shit. But okay. the most recent thing I played is that I actually uh, I got back into uh, Overlord 2 on the PS3. So that it, it that game it's sort of like um well I mean you're, legend kind of well what it is is if if you haven't played Overlord uh it's it's an epic fantasy adventure told from the perspective of the villain for all intents and purposes you might as well be playing playing Sauron you're this e- evil demigod like figure armed with magic but the thing is uh, like a true evil overlord, you don't do much evil yourself. You send your minions to do it. So that's the way the game plays is you can summon these little imps called minions and they are the ones who do most of the heavy lifting for you. You all, you stay behind typically directing them to, to fetch things for you, to attack things, to create chaos. And, uh, and and the original Overlord, it has a great wry sense of humor. Uh, and the original Overlord was one of my absolute favorite games for the uh, for the 360. So when we got our PS3, we got Overlord 2, and like I played a little bit of it when we first got it, and just kind of put it down, and only recently picked it back up again. And while it while it is very fun, and I do so far like like the story and like the way it's unfolding, its only real flaw is that. One of the biggest strengths in the original Overlord was its simplicity. You can send your minions out to do something, and they'll smash it. They'll smash it, kill it, or or, or capture it. Uh, but with Overlord Two, they've made things a little bit too complicated because now your minions can control stationary siege engines, and uh, they can carry, they can like ride wolves. But you have to find the wolves and get the right minions to try to ride them. And it's it's sort of a level of a level of complexity that that I don't really feel works. If they do an Overlord three, I hope they they strip it and bring it uh, bring it more back to basics. I believe I played the demo for the first uh, game, and yeah, I found after a point, just with the the limited amount of buttons and stuff on a, a console controller, it was tough to get a handle of. Um, I had that same problem with the uh, the double fine game, uh, Brutal Legend. Which is a weird combination of like Grand Theft Auto meets Command and Conquer meets Heavy Metal, where it tries to do RTS stuff from like a third person adventure's perspective that is a bit too uh, big for its britches, I think. Oh, one fun fact about Overlord 2. Uh, the, uh, the, the story for it was written by Rihanna Pratchett, who is yes. uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter. Yes, you're right. He's been doing video game writing work for a, a, a bit now, um, which which is really neat. So very good. All right. So if you uh, enjoyed this episode of Video Game Sequel Cast, uh, send us an email sequelcast at gmail dot com or check us out at facebook dot com slash sequelcast. Show your support. Yes, and uh, if you want to help us out, please donate at sequelcast dot com slash donate. Uh, what are we going to talk about next week on Video Game Sequel Cast? I don't know. Have, have we gotten have we gotten suggestions? We want to ask our listeners for suggestions. I'm putting you on the spot, Thrasher. You're going to have to decide off the top oh. of your head. Oh, I get to decide, do I? Yes. Okay. Well, then you know what I think. Uh, uh, ooh, we have so many delicious options, but I'm I'm finding them now. I think we should do uh, Star Fox games.
um, limited to what? Just like. Well, there's not that many of them, so I think we can cover the whole franchise. There's what? There's Super Nintendo. There was one on Super Nintendo. There was a Star Fox 64 on Nintendo 64. There was a GameCube one with dinosaurs. Yes. And then there was one for the 3DS. Yeah. And I think that's it. Oh, Mm -hmm. and one for the Wii. Okay, so So tune in in, uh, next time on Video Game Sequel Cast where we talk about the Star Fox. I almost said Star Trek. Star Fox franchise. For the video game sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Same. Sonic, he's the fastest thing alive! Sonic, he likes onion rings with chives. <laughs> As, uh... When he's nervous, he breaks out in hives. He, uh... All of his favorite bars are dives. He only has three lives. <laughs> he has a butler named Clive. He, uh, he's Mormon, so he has six wives. <laughs> he's... <laughs> when he's pulled over for a ticket, the officer he bribes. Uh... With gold rings. Uh, yeah, you beat me there. Okay. Next week in video game sequel... Next time on Video Game Sequel Cast, it'll be uh, Star Fox. Star Fox! Check us out at SequelCast.com or go to Facebook.com slash SequelCast. Good night. Good night. Okay, that was fun. I'm, yeah, really good. I think so. Uh, I know it's terribly late for you, but one last thing about the theme song... <laughs>